Why do you linger here when there is no hope? There is still hope. And so I lied to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. Welcome this fair Tuesday, Wednesday, September 2nd, 2015, to What Would Arwen Do? This is the show where we ask, I ask, if a Middle Earth Elf lived today in Southern California, what might her life look like? How would she celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, the preservation of the earth and its creatures, health, family, all those kind of things, and a contemplative existence. <laughs> so today we're going to take a little, a little trip down that contemplation road with uh, issues, again, of death and dying. And if you've listened to the show for some time, you know that this is a topic that I do like to visit occasionally because death is a part of life. And one of my very, very favorite quotes about death comes from a book by George MacDonald called The Golden Key. And in it, a young man is taking a, a journey to find out what he is to do with this golden key and at one point he meets an old man and has an experience and the man says to him now you have tasted death is it is it good and he says it is good it is better than life and the old man says no it is simply more life and that's kind of sums up my perspective on on death and I know it's kind of a you know one of those topics that's difficult and part of the reason well I guess the main reason that I feel inclined to talk about this today is because of the passing of two notable people over the weekend one of them one of my favorite people who has helped me so much on my spiritual journey Dr. Wayne W. Dyer who passed from the circles of this world over the weekend at the age of 75. His book, The Power of Intention, Learning to Co-Create Your World Your Way, has been such an important book in my life. And I never got to meet Wayne. I think he must be very elvish. <laughs> he certainly understands about the... I think he understands about the nature of existence. And if you've been uh, with me for a while, you know that this is this show kind of is comes out of my experience of my life as an elf over in the early 
2002, I was struggling in my faith, my Christian faith. It was right after 9-11. Christians were advocating going to war and killing people in retaliation and justifying torture. And I just thought, wait a minute, I don't think this is what Jesus wants us to be doing. And I um, was kind of recovering from a certain religious philosophy I had adopted. And I call myself a recovering Calvinist. <laughs> and um, and I saw the Fellowship of the Ring, and I saw the elves, and I delved into the world of Middle-earth, and I thought, you know, I don't know what a cr Christian looks like, but I th elves seem to embody what's best and noblest in humans, and they seem to me very kind of like what I would like to be as a Christian. So I started my little experiment, and it has taken me many places over these last 10 years. And one of them has to do with the nature of death. And even as a Christian, I couldn't quite understand why people would always get so upset when someone would die. Now, I did understand about missing the person and all of that, but it seemed like people would act as though the person was dead in the sense of dead, forever gone, just dead. And to me, that didn't seem to ring true with what I understood the Christian worldview to mean, and that was that death, death was simply a doorway into a greater life. And um, so one that is not so temporal and only lasts, you know, sometimes only a few years for people who die very young, or at best it can last to 70, 80, 90, 100. But even then you see most of your friends and family die, because not that many other people live that long and your body begins to kind of break down and sometimes your mind does too. So to me, it doesn't seem like, and plus just this world, uh, I wouldn't want to live forever in this particular world as lovely as it may be in some aspects. So I was thinking this uh, last few days about the show and wanted to cover some things having to do with different uh, religions and worldviews and philosophies and how they very much have lots of things in common. And at the root of them all, I think, is this quest, this yearning for to know what what is it all about? What is the meaning of all these things we do and of our being here? And and for something that's outside of ourselves, outside of our relatively kind of petty existence. I mean, we all make mistakes, we all struggle, we all get sick, and we all do things that we um, are sorry for. Maybe we lie, or maybe we treat someone unkindly, sometimes do even worse things. But uh, life is very much often a struggle. And so it's like, what's the point of all of it? And I can't embrace the, um, the, some of the worldviews. I, I love William James' essay called The Will to Believe <clears throat> and that you can actually choose. <laughs> Every, a lot of times I think people think that the things that they believe are just what seem to them most reasonable at the moment. But I believe you can actually choose your beliefs and that that can frame your life very differently. 
So I was thinking about some of these things and I was thinking about Dear Wayne Dyer and about his book, uh, The Power of Intention and how it had, and I was, oh, and I was cleaning out some um, of my bookcases and rearranging things and came across his book and also uh, my CD collection of his. And so I thought, oh, you know, I can't remember why I went on the internet. I don't, um, I may have been looking for something of his, but anyway, uh, I came across the news that he and Wes Craven had passed from the circles of this world last weekend. Now you may think, well, you know, you kind of found out late, but I'm kind of one of those people who's trying to get a little more unplugged in life. So I do not feel a necessity to have to listen to all the news and every terrible thing that's happened in every part of the world every single day. And so sometimes things do come to me a little late. Um, I mostly just listen to those things when I want to be spending time in prayer because otherwise all of that uh, news of deaths and murders and mayhem and refugees <clears throat> trying to find a safe place to be and uh, it just becomes a bit overwhelming and so um, apart from praying for those situations there's not too much I can do from here I do what I can in my community or I try to do something so I came across an article called A Good Goodbye uh, with Gail Rubin. And it's interesting because it, her little uh, catchphrase is funeral planning for those who don't plan to die. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. But she had a, a, an article here uh, from the 31st of August. Uh, the deaths of Wayne Dyer and Wes Craven over the weekend provide a pop culture contrast of light and dark. She said her Facebook feed has had lots of references paying tribute to Wayne Dyer, not so many for Wes Craven. She says, guess I'm more on the light side than the dark. I avoid horror movies. And that's kind of where I am. I, um, I also very much avoid <laughs> horror movies. I don't quite understand the attraction for people to feel to be entertained by horror and murder and gore but I do understand about nightmares and one of the things that she said was um, about Wes which I thought you know that gives me a little different perspective she says then over to the dark side filmmaker and writer Wes Craven died on Sunday at age 76 of brain cancer he created landmark horror films, including A Nightmare on Elm Street and all six sequels <laughs> in featuring the dreaded Freddy Krueger. I have not, just on a side, I can't even watch the commercials for those movies. Named after a childhood bully, Revenge is Sweet. The Last House on the Left, A Rape Revenge Story, and Scream, a horror film with a sense of humor and multiple sequels that poked fun at the genre. The Chicago area native attended Wheaton College, which is interesting. It's a Christian university that's nearby to uh, Chicago. She goes on to say he edited the literary magazine known as Kodan. 
And she says, I edited our high school literary magazine, Satori. Where do we get these names? In a daring move, he published two stories in 1962, one about an unwed mother, the other about an interracial couple. The administration said he was derelict in his duties as ed editor and shut the publication down for a year. She says, ironically, Craven got his start in movies directing porn films. So she uh, quotes something Michael Phillips wrote in his appreciation in the Chicago Tribune. Craven's delightfully contradictory resume and his finest hours on film revealed both a wit and a subterranean seriousness of purpose. He believed in the people driving his screen nightmares, and one gets the feeling from the expressions of sorrow and devotion following his death that he was a good man with a gift for bad dreams roughly 90 to 120 minutes in length. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, boy, I sure am glad that no one can put my nightmares <laughs> up into movies because they're terrifying enough to me just as nightmares as you know something illusory would not want it to see it you know with actors and solidified on the silver screen so thank goodness for small blessings but the focus of my uh, show today is really more a tribute to Dr. Wayne Dyer he um, just uh, Gail says here uh, I mean, so many people are familiar. He's a best-selling best author and lecturer. He was featured very often on uh, Oprah Winfrey. And he's kind of called a self-help guru, which I, I think is not a very fair title sometimes for some of these people that introduce us to things that help us expand our, ex our experience of life and perhaps be make a way to shift our perspective into a perspective that works better for us in our lives. And so sometimes that little term self-help guru seems rather trite. So I think he was one of the holy ones myself. And he was a very upbeat person. In an interview with ABC TV News, he says, First of all, I'm not ill at all. Life itself is a sexually transmitted terminal <laughs> disease. So, you know, I don't think of it as any punishment at all. I'm thrilled with it when he was talking about the fact that he had had cancer. So, um, so obviously many people are paying tribute to, to Wayne. I plan to do so in my own small way. And perhaps this weekend have a little wake in his honor share some readings of his and uh, connect with nature I dated someone a few years ago who um, was familiar with Wayne Dyer and he told me something that I did not know two things actually one was that he was a um, Wayne Dyer was a Roman Catholic and uh, which I think is so cool. He's kind of like the kind of Roman Catholic I want to be. And that he was very, he very much loved a St. Francis, which makes sense because St. Francis, of course, very much loved the world, nature, celebrating it. He was a jungler de deux, one of the jugglers of God, a troubadour, walking through the countryside, singing, uh, preaching to the birds and, and, um, and very much detached from all of the materialism and consumerism of his time. And I feel a great model for us. 
So I came across Wayne's book, The Power of Intention, and this book was so life-changing for me during a difficult time. And it's interesting because I have books that I really love, I write all over them. I write in the margins, I underline, I circle, I make hearts and stars and flowers. And um, f one of the chapters that was so powerful to me is his chapter on infinity, intention and infinity. And I'm going to play for you in a few moments something from his Power of Intention. It's actually his very last chapter. But before that, I want to read from you very briefly just the preface here for this book that Wayne wrote in 2004 in Maui. It says, the book that you're now holding in your hands and all of the information it contains was once a formless idea residing in the invisible domain of the field of intention. This book, The Power of Intention, was intended into the material world by applying all of the principles written about here. I managed to make my own vibrational energy match up to the all-creating source and allowed these words and ideas to flow through me directly to you. You're holding in your hands evidence that anything we can conceive of in our minds while staying in harmony with the universal all-creating source can and must come to pass. If you'd like to know how this book might impact you and how you might think, feel, and co-create after reading and applying its messages, I encourage you to read the final chapter, A Portrait of a Person Connected to the Field of Intention, before beginning this journey. You and everyone else, as well as all life, emanated from the universal, all-creating field of intention, or as some of us like to call it, God. Live from that perspective, and you will come to know and apply the power of intention. You have an endless stream of green lights before you. And so with that, I'm going to play for you that chapter from his uh, audio tape read by himself, Dr. Wayne Dyer, W. Dyer. And here is a portrait of a person connected to the field of intention. This is KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. These highly realized people think from the end, experiencing what they wish to intend before it shows up in material form. They use their feelings as a gauge to determine if they're synchronized with the power of intention. If they feel good, they know that they're in vibrational harmony with source. If they feel bad, they use this indicator to adjust to higher energy levels. And finally, they act on these thoughts of intention and good feelings, as if all that they desired were already here. If you ask them what you can do to make your desires come true, they'll unhesitatingly advise you to change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. I urge you to replicate their inner world and rejoice in the infinitely magnificent power of intention. It works. I guarantee it. And you've been listening to an excerpt from Dr. Wayne W. Dyer's book, The Power of Intention, read by the author himself. And this show what would Arwen do Wednesday September 2nd 
2015 is dedicated to Dr. Wayne Dyer, who passed from the circles of this world last weekend at the age of 75. And how wonderful that he left us so many gifts. His books, his teachings, his many um, of his recordings of his books, and he will be missed, but he is in a place that I long to be, and so uh, I know he's having a grand time even now. So this morning, um, yesterday I was looking for some material for the show and came across the news of his passing and just had to have this special time this morning. I hope that you will take some time. I invite you to, if you're not familiar with this amazing man, and I have to say, just because he's gone now, isn't, don't think, oh, well, he's gone. Many of the people that have been so life-changing for me, um, I have, those things have come about through their books and through their teachings, things that they have left here on the earth for us, even though they have passed out of their carbon-based physical bodies. So Dr. Wayne Dyer, I found him and his work, I guess it was about 2007. So this book had been out for about three years, but it's been my companion over the years, um, all this time, I, as I was looking through it last night and this morning, I've written in all the, in many of the margins and put the dates there. And there's dates from 2006 and 2007 and eight, and here's one from 2012. And yeah, so one of the chapters. And I love that he talks about what we heard was actually at the very end of the book, uh, a portrait of a person connected to the field of intention. And, you know, there's lots of different phrases for things in life. I think, you know, a person connected to the field of intention, you can always also kind of think of that as an actualized person or enlightened person, or even just a pilgrim who's on the journey wanting to to expand in their life and their consciousness while they're still here in this carbon-based body. And most of us, I think we don't quite arrive, but we're getting closer and we're getting closer to that place where we want to be and how we want to be. And I know it may sound odd, but I feel like the more work that we can do to connect with that on this side of that veil that many call death, then how much one more wonderful it's going to be on the other side. We won't have near so much work <laughs> to do uh, to get to the really fun parts. So... Again, I would invite you to uh, pick up Dr. Wayne Dyer's book, I Love the Power of Intention, Learning to Co-Create Your World Your Way. He also has a lot of other great books. Uh, Your Erroneous Zones was uh, a a big bestseller. Um, Gosh, off the top of my head, I can't even think of it because I've got 
several of his books, but this one is just so well-worn and well-loved, and I always come back to it. And I will be spending some time with it again uh, in the the weeks that come that that come now. And so, what does all of this have to do with Middle Earth? <laughs> And with what would Arwen do? Well, Arwen being uh, being an elf, and if you are are at all interested in the elves' perspective on death, there is a published book that was edited by J.R.R. Tolkien's son, Christopher Tolkien, from the History of Middle-Earth. It's, I believe, 12 volumes, but the one is uh, called Morgoth's Ring. And it's a conversation between an elf and a mortal about the nature of death. And the elf is basically talking to the mortal, saying, we elves simply don't understand why uh, your human, your mortal's perspective on death, and you're so terrified of it and afraid of it, and you dread it. And uh, so it's a very interesting conversation, because to the elves, passing from this world was simply a transition to something else. And why would you dread and fear it? So, very interesting. Uh, you might you might pick that up. That's in Morgoth's Ring. And so I wanted to share with you also this morning a little clip from the Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, one of my favorites from the movie. It's where um, Gandalf and Pippin are in the um, Minas Tirith, and they're up on the ledge, and oh my gosh, all these orc armies are coming, and they have this wonderful conversation about whether the journey ends there. And I love the way that Peter Jackson um, portrayed that in the movie. He took it a, a little different. That that whole passage actually comes from uh, Frodo, and he had a dream in the house of Tom Bombadil. And then at the very end of the movie, where Frodo and Bilbo um, have come to the Grey Havens, and I'm going to read just a little bit from there, uh, hopefully for your pleasure. And just uh, also to mention that the copyrighted things, I will probably leave the the book reading in for the podcast, but Wayne Dyer's material will be edited out, but you can find that on his CD set, and I would invite you to find it. You could probably even find it at your local library, uh, The Power of Intention. So reading a bit from The Lord of the Rings, and they're coming to the Grey Havens, and it says, As they came to the gates, Kirdan the shipwright came forth to greet them. Very tall he was, and his beard was long, and he was gray and old, save that his eyes were keen as stars. And he looked at them and bowed and said, All is now ready. We love our technology. Then Kirdan led them to the havens, and there was a white ship lying, and upon the quay beside beside a gray, great gray horse stood a figure robed all in white awaiting them. As he turned and came towards them, Frodo saw that Gandalf now wore openly on his hand the third ring, Narya the Great, and the stone upon it was red as fire. Then those who were to go were glad, for they knew that Gandalf also would take ship with them. But Sam was now sorrowful at heart, and it seemed to him that if the parting would be bitter, more grievous still would be the long road home alone. 
But even as they stood there, and the elves were going aboard, and all was being made ready to depart, up rode Merry and Pippin in great haste, and amid his tears Pippin laughed. "'You tried to give us the slip once before and failed, Frodo,' he said. "'This time you have nearly succeeded, but you have failed again. "'It was not Sam, though, that gave you away this time, but Gandalf himself.' "'Yes,' said Gandalf, "'for it will be better to ride back three together than one alone. "'Well, here at last, dear friends, on the shores of the sea "'comes the end of our fellowship in Middle-earth. "'Go in peace. I will not say do not weep, "'for not our all tears are an evil.' Then Frodo kissed Mary and Pippin and last of all Sam and went aboard. And the sails were drawn up and the wind blew and slowly the ship slipped away down the long gray firth. And the light of the glass of Galadriel that Frodo bore glimmered and was lost. And the ship went out into the high sea and passed on into the west. Until at last, on a night of rain, Frodo smelled a sweet fragrance on the air and heard the sound of singing that came over the water. And then it seemed to him that in his dream in the house of Bombadil, the gray rain curtain turned all to silver glass and was rolled back, and he beheld white shores and beyond them a far green country under a swift sunrise. That little excerpt from The Lord of the Rings there at the end. And with that, I will play for you the Scene from The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, with Pippin and Gandalf. And a big thank you to our friends at YouTube. I didn't think it would end this way. End? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The grey rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. What? Gandalf. See what? White shores. The far green country into a swift sunrise. That isn't so bad. No. No, it isn't. That's from The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Pippin and Gandalf. And... With that, in just a few moments, we will be wrapping up this uh, What Would Arwen Do? And I hope you will stay with us because coming up in just about nine minutes, everything you might want to know about getting published with writers on writing. Barbara DeMarco Barrett is in the house. And thank you. If you are calling, please call back. Uh, we can't answer the phone just this moment, but uh, please call back in just a few moments. So this is What Would Arwen Do? I am Tani Tanuviel, and I want to thank you very much for being with me today in a tribute to Dr. Wayne Dyer, who passed from the circles of this world today. We 
I hope you will pick up his book, especially his chapter six, Intention and Infinity, because he really invites you to face death. And and it's kind of like, okay, well, how do you face death in life? Well, you can actually, instead of pretending like death is never going to come, you can, you can sit with it. You can think about what you think about that. You can write down, um, he talks about even writing down your own death, um, and not writing down your own death, but kind of what, what you would like for that to look like that transition. And he has here some of the, some quotes from people that I absolutely love. One of my favorite, favorite is from Teresa of Avila. And I love the saints. As you know, I recently became a Catholic Christian. And I love that their saints are so everywhere within that particular worldview. And there's a scripture in Luke that said where uh, the Pharisees are asking Jesus about, you know, well, what happens in heaven, you know, the woman who's she married to, the brother or the first husband? And he says, these are not things that heaven is about. There's no marriage in heaven. But he talks about the people that have passed out over. He says, to God, all are alive. And Jesus said that. So it's like, they're not dead. Actually, I like to think that people are more alive <laughs> once they pass from the circles of this world. I certainly intend to be. And um, Teresa of Avila said, the hour I have longed wished for is now come. Aldous Huxley said, let us be kinder to one another. Robert Louis Stevenson said, if this is death, it is easier than life. John Quincy Adams said, this is the last of earth. I am content. Ludwig von Beethoven said, I shall hear in heaven. And one of my very favorites, William Blake, oh, Thomas Edison said, it is very beautiful over there. And William Blake said, I am going to that country which I have all my life wished to see. And that could very well be what how I feel. I am finally, I'm finally going to that far country. So my friends, I played at the beginning of the show the version of Into the West that my friend Coco Baran recorded for me. The original version, of course, is from the Academy Award-winning soundtrack, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, sung by the amazing Annie Lennox. But because we are KUCI, we don't play mainstream music here, although we celebrate and are very glad for all of those people who have made it uh, made it big in the world of music and um, songwriting. But we believe that there are lots of good songs and songwriters and singers out there. So you will always hear non-mainstream music here at KUCI. And you can find out more about us on our website at KUCI.org. We also have podcasts. This show will be up on podcast and the copyrighted music will be taken out, but I'll tell you where you can find it. And with that, I'm going to leave you again with this um, Into the West, sung by my friend Coco Baran. And please stay tuned. Coming up in just a few moments, Writers on Writing. This is... oh. And if you'd like to contact me, I would love to hear from you. You can send me a missive, an email missive at askanelf at yahoo.com. This is KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of the universe.
Falling 